Welcome to the Fromm Daily Podcast, where I give you a little bit of Eric Fromm and some encouragement for your personal growth journey every day. I'm your host, Lacey Delane, and I am super excited to have you for another episode of From Daily. Welcome. What's up? How are you? Happy New Day, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from. I hope you have a wonderful day today. Uh, We have been talking about consumerism this week. Um, We have been talking about how this is such a societal norm for us to consume and to consume compulsively and how it is something that um, is a compensation for some inner vacuity, some anxiety. And today I'm going to continue on the theme of consumption um, from a book that was written by Eric Fromm, compiled by Rainier Funk, called The Essential Fromm. And today we're going to talk about something that he calls in this book pseudo-freedom. Uh, a freedom that isn't really real, but it seems real. So we're going to start there. The problem of pseudo-freedom, Fromm says, is tied up with the problem of consumption. In the 19th century, the idea of freedom was essentially connected with having property at one's disposal and with the freedom of commercial enterprise. Today, private property is only a very small part of the means of production in in the advanced capitalist countries. General Motors and the Ford Company, the two largest automobile giants in America, for example, are in the hands of a self-perpetuating bureaucracy and the hundreds of thousands of owners of the actual property do not have a crucial influence on the companies. Today's pseudo-freedom lies in the sphere of consumption. So where we're getting this idea of freedom that we have, supposedly, is we're getting that from the realm of consumption, from shopping, from buying, from consuming. A consumer, he goes on to say, goes to the supermarket and sees 10 different brands of cigarettes that have already been trumpeted on the radio, on television, in the newspapers. They're all vying for his favor, as if they wanted to say, please, choose me, choose me. Now, it is true that the buyer basically knows that all these are actually the same brands, whether they be cigarettes or soaps that are praised with pretty girls or even just with girl's legs. Purely intellectually, the buyer is aware that all of that is completely irrational. So the advertising around each specific brand, um, the luring in that these brands do by sexual appeal, by basically playing to our emotions to say, hey, choose us. We're the better brand. He's saying that really intellectually and truly rationally, we all know that these brands are all the same. And what he's saying is that they all are, which if you take us a second and take a look um, in most cases, that's 100% the case. Nevertheless, Frome goes on to say, it gives him a feeling of freedom to be able to choose what he wants to be able to choose between the brands. 
So he grants his favor to Chesterfield cigarettes instead of Marlboro or Marlboro instead of Chesterfield. Okay, I want to stop real quick and give some context here. Um, for those of you who are not aware of who Eric Fromm is and when he was alive, um, he was a psychoanalyst and sociologist who was alive from 18, I'm sorry, from 1900 to 1980. And so he did a lot of his writing um, in the 50s, a lot of his publishing post the 50s. Um, and so he's writing from a perspective that's obviously not current day. But one of the reasons I love him so much is I feel like his writing really does apply to today. And it actually describes where we are today um, quite well. So I say that to say um, that's why I think the example he gives is cigarettes, because I don't, you know, in the U.S. anyway, that's not a thing that's uh, that's kind of marketed as strongly as it probably was during that time. So um, I wonder what you think about this idea, this idea that brands are actually all the same. And through the use of multiple brands and different kinds of advertising, we give ourselves the idea that we are free to choose things in the sphere of consumption because of the different brands. But in reality, this is actually not true. It's not even real because they're all the same. Now, obviously, there might be small differences between each one. And when we're talking about um, when we're talking about products that are made the same way, it's true. They're all the same. So I think that this is a very interesting point. And I do think that it's a way that we are kind of um, hypnotized, distracted from life in general by figuring out, well, which, which brand of cereal do I want to buy, this brand or that brand? Does it really matter that much? Um, this is energy that we could be giving to other things. And again, I think his larger point here is that this is an avenue to give humans the idea that they have a freedom to choose. In reality, they really don't have much freedom to choose. Their daily lives are dominated by production and consumption. As I mentioned in an episode earlier this week, the revol their lives revolve around um, whatever has to be done in order for production and consumption to continue. Production in the sense of work happening, things being made, things being produced because there's such a drive to consume. And so this is taking the higher place. And because this is all that we in modern Western uh, capitalistic culture, society do, then the only way that we can feel like we actually have the freedom to choose anything is in the vein, in the realm of consumption. Um, yeah, I think this is really good. And I don't know that it's something that I've heard talked about by many other people. He goes on to say, by exactly this means, though, he becomes a pseudo personality. Hmm. I think what he means is um, we become this thing that we we way we become a way that we define ourselves 
that's really not based on anything real. He says, when he defines himself by smoking Marlboro, he determines his being by having this object of consumption. He determines basically who he is by based on what he has. That is his self, his personality. So his personality, his self, is based on what he has. In the act of choosing, Rome goes on to say, he experiences his power, while in reality he is experiencing his powerlessness because his choosing is only the result of influence, influences that are at work behind his back. What does he mean by this? He's saying, we think we're actually making this choice or we have the ability to choose, but we're actually quite powerless because the reason that we choose certain things when it comes to consumption is because we've been influenced by advertising in order to do so. So while we think our execution of the choice of brand is us exercising our power, in fact, it's actually us showing our powerlessness because we're being swayed by these uh, commercials, by these advertisements, and unconsciously they're forming and constructing our behavior. They're directing our behavior. This is one of the reasons why social media is so harmful. It is one of the number one ways that our behavior has become shaped. It's one of the reasons why I moved abroad to get away from as much of the technology, the social media, the behavior shaping influences that come from technology and advertisements to see, I wondered like, who am I? Who am I if I'm not influenced, hypnotized, um, you know, told what to do unconsciously and not even really aware of it? I wonder who are we if we weren't experiencing all these things? Um, so he says uh, his choosing is is only the result of influences that are at work behind his back. He believes that he is consciously making his choice, while in reality he is prompted into choosing between two different products that are suggested to him. And I think this is something that happens quite a bit. I also want to mention um, this whole idea of uh, he talks about this whole idea of finding your identity based in what you have. I watched a documentary, actually Mo and I watched a documentary the other night about Abercrombie and Fitch and how it was really a brand that was all about, um, you know, identity. And like during that time, if you had Abercrombie and Fitch clothing, you were cool but you were only cool because you had Abercrombie and Fitch clothing. So your identity, your acceptance was all based in um, whether you had a certain thing or not. And I think it's actually a very good reflection, uh, example, illustration of what our society is like right now. The concept of happiness is also tied to consumption, he says. If one were to treat this topic philosophically, one would have to go back to the essence uh, and the psychology of the Enlightenment. Yet if one asks people today what actually makes them happy, 
you would hear the answer. It would make us happy if we could afford anything we want. The popular concept of happiness that most people probably have today is not is that not only is freedom founded on consumption, but so is happiness. And happiness is the is the fact that they do not have enough money to consume everything that they would like to consume. That that's the only way, only thing that's standing in their way. But but so is happiness. And that the only thing standing in the way of freedom and happiness is the fact that they do not have enough money to consume everything that they would like to consume. Hmm. Yep, our whole world revolves around this consumption, this obsessive compulsive consumption. Um, and it is a pseudo manner of providing us with this feeling of powerfulness, power, and um, freedom. And in reality, we're not free. We are not, consumption is not a way for us to know for sure that we're free. It's not um, the vein of freedom our vein of freedom is measured by the amount of autonomy we exercise in everyday life. The amount of time we have to make our decisions for ourselves, the amount of space we have to decide how we want to do our daily life. That's not something that the most modern uh, Western individuals have. All right. As I close, I just want to let you know that tomorrow on our Friday edition, I will share with you a personal story about the first time I learned about this concept of radical acceptance that we've been talking about this week. Um, I was in a very challenging situation. It was really uh, scary. Something happened to me that was very difficult that I think many people have experienced, but probably didn't and haven't um, enjoyed. And uh, it was super unexpected and it had never happened to me before. And honestly, it was really hurtful what happened. It was difficult. Um, but I was in the process of a learning and growing individually. I was working with an excellent therapist at the time. And I learned through this specific experience that I'm going to tell you about tomorrow the real true beauty of uh, radical acceptance and the opportunity that lies in circumstances that don't turn out the way we hope or expect or really had planned. And as a result, I had an opportunity to listen to myself and to be patient and trust the process and trust the universe and trust circumstances. And at the end, I found myself really glad that the hurtful, difficult circumstances took place. So I want to share that story with you tomorrow. So stay with me and I hope you give Radical Acceptance a try today. For now, I'll say goodbye. If you want more From content, check out FromDaily.com. That's From with two M's. F-R-O-M-M-D-A-I-L-Y dot C-O-M. To access our Friday episodes, become a paid subscriber of the From Daily Substack. Paid subscribers have access to our weekly personal growth support group hosted by yours truly Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern time live. Weekly Substack chats Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern are open to free and paid subscribers alike. Let's see each other there. I hope your day brings you lots of new experiences from which to learn and grow and you find the value in them. 
And regardless of where you are in your journey, I'm proud of you. You're in the process, in the process of growth, and that's what counts. Yeah. I'm Lacey Delane, signing off. See you next time on the From Daily Podcast.